Welcome to Take Control of Your Career, where we discuss strategies to get you in the driver's seat of your career. Here's your host, Lauren Herring. Hello and welcome to Take Control of Your Career. I am Lauren Herring and I'm so excited to be joined today by Kathy Button-Bell. She is Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Emerson. So truly an honor to have such an incredible and exciting woman and accomplished uh, to speak to today. So if you are in, if you're interested in taking your career to the next level, then you're in the right place. That's so sweet. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm the one who's honored to be here. So hopefully we can share a nugget that will help somebody get somewhere. So Okay, well, let's dig in. And it's so fun. Also, this is actually my first podcast where we're doing it in person. This started over COVID and here we are. It's we're warm and cozy right Uh, here in front of the microphone. We're (laughs) co-anchoring the news in St. Louis today. So awesome. Okay, well, I am people are going to be really interested in your career trajectory. And you (laughs) have had a history throughout your entire career of succeeding in male-dominated businesses. So can you speak a little bit to the secrets to your success and also maybe some overarching advice for women looking to go up the corporate ladder, especially if you're in more of a male-dominated field? Well, I think uh, some of the really important things you'd have to do is kind of create an ecosystem for yourself in your business environment and in your business life of picking the people you need a jungle drum kind of with to know what's going on, what's really important. Um, you know, it's always easy to do the simple things. You need to do the important things first. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a commodity trader first right out of college. And I would say the most important thing I learned there was to recover quickly, whether that's you made a mistake in trading, a customer made a mistake, uh, something dire happens that you failed at something. The faster you recover, the faster you can make good decisions again. And I think women sometimes dwell on things. I think we did when we were little girls, you know, an argument, boys get over it in like four seconds. They forget. But women tend to remember things like that. So I think um, the recover quickly is, is enormous. Um, you have to master self-promotion with a soft hand. And men, um, any of you have read Lean In or any of those kind of books mm-hmm. will know, you know, that um, being called bossy or shrill, because our voices tend to be a little high in the meeting, especially if you're uptight or stressed, you sound more that way. Always try to get yourself back to neutral, no matter what. That's a really interesting point, because <clears throat> there's so much to actually how you sit and how you're breathing, where you're speaking from, your your belly or <laughs> your throat. And your and, hands. And, and those are the kinds of things where you wouldn't even think about it. That's never even come up in this, uh, in, in any of my interviews, but it can be one of those little things that makes a big difference. I think being steady under pressure is the thing we talk about the most too. And That's a good I, way to put it. For some weird reason, it seems like it comes up more when we talk about women. And I don't know if it's because we're surprised or just, just what guys notice, um, you know, that, you have to be, you want words like reliable to be about you, steady, you know, and a little bit gritty. And that doesn't mean being tough because that, that 
might might lend a good hand in there, but being a little gritty under pressure is a terrific thing. And, uh, um, you know, the testosterone could get a little hot in a meeting. Sometime it is your moment to be a steady Eddie. So those personality things have really been extremely helpful. Um, I think so gone along. Now, when you say steady, tell me more about what you mean by that, because when you're talking about like testosterone going crazy and people like, are you talking about people are yelling and. Oh, they can. I think it's more the pressure that builds between a couple of people in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have meetings all the time. I mean, just absolutely all the time. And we have to deal with some very difficult things. I'm on two boards, you know, where we can disagree about things or other people can disagree about it. You might not even have a dog in the fight, but being the steady hand in the room can be kind of helpful. But it's also a a challenging uh, place to thread the needle because you don't want to be docile and steady uh -uh. in like a disappearing sort of way. No, you're perfectly correct. No, you want to be steady in a way that... um, they respect the way you're behaving in this difficult situation. I so think you're interjecting, you're putting interject. your perspective out there, but not. And maybe you solve yeah. the argument even. Um, and then, Or you translate or what you, other people well, are that, saying. And actually, that's a very classic thing women do in a meeting. I do think you translate. I think what he means is just to try to bring things down. Just saying that can bring the, the temperature in the room down a little bit. But uh, And being able to interject is great. And I, I love your thing about sitting at the table and like you and I are both forward like this. That means so much in a meeting, you know, as they say, you should take up a little space mm-hmm. um, and always sit at the table. Don't assume that the women are going to sit back there, which some people I think, especially when you're younger, maybe you have to, and you sit with the guys back there too. But boy, as soon as you have permission to be at that table, you'd be there. Yeah. So actually in one of our women in leadership programs, I have the perfect example of how this has played out where there was a woman exactly in that situation where, you know, there was a lot of people at this meeting and she would naturally just gravitate to sitting on the sidelines. And so therefore she was automatically put on the sidelines. And so as part of her coaching process and as one of her developmental goals, she literally said, I'm going to take a seat at the table. It's literal. It is yeah. literal mm-hmm. and it changed the game in terms of how she showed up in the meeting. It shows it, it makes a difference what you wear. Like I um I had a, pres- a big presentation this week to um the office of chief executives. So those are my peers. That is the toughest audience I have in the world. I can spend five, So basically the CEOs of the all companies the that all, all that are C-suite. Yeah. Okay, you're your C-suite. And um, I was presenting, you know, we put I do all the television. I do all that stuff. That does not make me nervous. Showing it to them before I do that can make me a little nervous. I picked what I wore to a, a needle on what it was to be, um, what did I say? Respectable as I show something subjective. Because advertising obviously can look very subjective. We have a brand new tagline. So everybody has an opinion, you know, kind of thing. But I went for very respectable. It's actually funny. My husband said, I walked out. He goes, well, don't you look put together? And I'm like, yes, exactly what I was going for. Put together was what it was. Oh, my gosh. Believe what I'm telling you because I look reasonable. Well, and it goes to show that even at your level, you're still making those decisions very intentionally. Every day I do. And, And you know what? I can tell you the women in this company that do. Actually, we can wear casual clothes. We could wear blue jeans to work if we want to. 
I would tell you the the three, five of us up here don't, you know. Mm-hmm. You're setting an example. Yeah, and, and look how nice you look. I mean, I would say oh, the very first thing I say when I see you is like, oh, God, you look great. Why do you not want to look great? Yeah, and, okay. and especially as you're climbing the ladder, dress for the job that you want, not necessarily the job you have. Always, always, always. I, I even try to look decent when I walk into Straub's to, to go shopping, but, you know. I like my Lululemon. So <laughs> I, I heard someone at a, a women's conference say once uh, she was a chief executive in a, in um, a utility company. And she said for the executive picture, she made a point that she was going to wear a skirt suit, not oh. um, so that she was making it very clear. There's a woman on this team. I always wear a dress for those. Isn't mm-hmm. that funny? I do that. Mm-hmm. And when we ring the bell, like New York stock exchange, I always wear a dress. There is nothing wrong with celebrating being a woman. Um, as a matter of fact, why not? It's fun. Isn't it more fun? It's kind of fun to put on your earrings and curl your hair or do whatever, you know, it's fun. I actually get my nails done every week, you know, or every couple of weeks. So it just goes to show even those little things, they, they make a difference over the course of your career. So, okay. And, and, um, uh, so we've talked about the, well, certainly just the image, the, um, uh, the table, the, the sitting <laughs> at the table. I love that. Um, what, what else, uh, because you have worked in both entrepreneurial and corporate environments. Uh, we, oh, we also talked about you bouncing back. That's a great piece mm-hmm. of advice. Um, so as you moved up the corporate ladder, you left trading and then went into more corporate environments. What were some of the things that really set you apart? Actually, I think um, being, being an interesting person and make things happen. Um, I think you'll read any book about women and leadership or actually about, I think exactly the same for men personally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is um, you need to make your aspirations known and I have never gotten a job I was qualified for. And I came out of um, commodity trading. I, I had no idea what, how much soybeans cost the day I started. <laughs> and my boss went on vacation three days later and I took care of his entire trading desk kind of thing. So you're like, okay, we can do this, you know, and you, you suck it up and you try things. And uh, being, you know, I never planned on doing the entrepreneurial part. It just made sense at the time. And I desperately wanted to work at Wilson's Sporting Goods. I took a solid year of circling that to find a way in because I figured I had one good shot. And I talked to somebody at a wedding who knew the CEO. And I said, would you ever get me a call? And it absolutely. And I got a job running all the public relations. I didn't know anything about public relations. I could write. So that's probably it. But I grew and I learned, I think it's what we say about men. You know, if you have 10 things on the job thing and the women think we need all 10 and the guys take it with three. Mm -hmm. I took every one of these with three. Um, I left the work for, I went to Wilson, I went to Converse and then it was a global marketing position. So um, I will tell you, I shot my very first TV commercial in my life with Michael Jordan which is awesome. You might as well start at the top. Oh my gosh, 15 seconds. It was for black basketball at Wilson Sporting Goods. It was so great. I cannot even tell you what a fun experience. I'm like, sure, I can do TV. (laughs) I went to Converse and then I shot with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and these guys. Oh, I worked with Michael Jordan. 
I mean, I did 15 seconds. It was nothing. <laughs> but I would tell you that even as I came. But the I chutzpah. Just, I got it. Don't yeah, worry. I got this. No, you, you know what? You just have to believe it when you say it. Mm-hmm. And right in here, I will tell you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and go for what you really want to do, you know? And, yeah, so take uh, the time to actually think through what it is that abs- you want to do. Get clarity on that so you're not just floating around. And I'll give you an interesting example of coming how I got at Emerson and how I actually got a, a full-time job because I um, I had my own uh, consulting, marketing consulting company, which I had to name in one night. I had a client and no business. So I went, button brand development. That's got a ring to it. Uh, yeah. I literally called somebody and said, can you make me a logo with a button and some stuff? So literally, that's how I started. And uh, But Emerson, became, I had... I had all sorts of old bosses that gave me business and sporting goods. And I worked on Vale, Beaver Creek. I did some really fun things, but I got Emerson and um, which we have to talk about sponsorship because that's how I got there, which is interesting. But when um, I, I was working and they got, became my biggest client and that started to scare me and I didn't want to have all my eggs. I think you'd probably appreciate mm-hmm. this in your job, all your eggs in one basket. And so I took on a big client of one of the big strategy companies had started a marketing consulting arms. And I took them on and I said no to Emerson for something they wanted me to go somewhere. I said, I'm sorry, my, I have another client thing. I literally did it twice and they made me a job offer the next week. They didn't want to share, but I did it. With, I did it for two reasons. I did it. First of all, I was too dependent on one thing. I always want two sources of income anyway, which I think is good for women or anyone. But um, but that that little bit of pressure of not being able to count on me being there was was very I don't want to say it was manipulative, but it worked. Was that what you were going for? Were you wanting I, to go on full time with them? Yeah, I did. Okay. I like I like working in corporate America. It, it's fun. I'm a great cog. And, you know, you ask about how to, how to get things done is like you, you you do you do things and you make a difference. And, you know, I had the opportunity here to architect all the branding on, at the time, about a $14 billion company. It's now $18 billion, you know. That's fun. And people can see what you do. So that's mm-hmm. how you end up not being the docile person in the room and, and stand for something. So people know she stands for the, how the brand architecture works. And I'm very strict on the rules. Kind of thing. Yeah, but it's not enough just to work hard. Like, they mm-hmm. need to see you doing the work. And so they need to equate you with actually getting things done. So Precisely, yeah. what do you, what's the key to doing that in a way that has worked for you? Obviously everyone has a different tolerance for, uh, you know, showing, bragging or showing, showing or you know, tooting your horn or whatever the case is. I'm big on eye candy. Now I happen to have a job that lends itself to that. So when I come to a meeting, um, you know, I bring something we've made, whether it's an ad or whether it's a PR piece or um, 18 copies of an article related to something we're doing, maybe that shows why it's correct to do what we're doing. Um, That really helps. I I did an interesting thing when I first came, I was trying to figure out how Chuck Knight was our really famous long-term CEO of, of Emerson, right? When he actually is when I hired me. So he'd been <clears throat> CEO for 20 some years and he knew nothing about marketing. And the board had actually said that they should, they needed to hire me. And uh, so I had to figure out how to communicate with him. And he was on the board of IBM and on Southwest. So I went and talked to their chief marketing officers because they had to present to him their work at the board level. 
And I learned how they communicated with him. And then I used their examples before I'd show mine. So I said, this is how IBM did this. This is how Southwest did this. This is how I think we need to do it and put it in context for him. But it's that doing. But it's also this research. I mean, you were, it, it was very strategic how you went about it. You were planful and thoughtful about it. And, and then you uh, made your case. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I had no choice. You know, when you mm-hmm. do this kind of, your stakes get so high as you start doing, and I'm messing with people's lives and money mm-hmm. and everything else. Yeah. Um, I had a guy come up to me in the, I was at a concert or something and I just launched a big ad campaign and we were kind of in the middle of a tough financial time. And he said, I hope you think this is all worth it. You know, you, you cost the company this many people kind of thing. And, you know, you just have to take a deep breath and say, I know we have to do this, you know, that it's the correct thing to do. So I, I stood for that too, you know, yeah. in a storm. So standing in the storm gets you a long way. Yeah. But I mean, just to translate that for someone who's not in the marketing world where you don't have eye candy kind of things, oh, yeah. uh, but I mean, there's always uh, whether it's some sort of result um, you know, what's the report that's showing it's the research Yeah, showing research. I tell everyone research is your sword and your shield because it's hard for people to argue with, look at what these people said. And I do it with employees. I do it with customers. Um, the, the doing our new tagline, I went to the analysts in a financial market to see what they thought. And, uh, I, I will tell you a funny thing about that, about emotional connections people have of, the analysts and our financial guys wanted us to go the most boldly way we could by far on this mm-hmm. end. The customers almost don't care. They just want you to behave well. They want you to be a good, you know, that's their service kind of thing. The employees are the ones that get all squiggly and they have a hard time giving up something. I always say it's like um, the logo to them is like monogram on their towels in their house. It is so personal. That business card that they show their mother or their dad matters. And I have to try to make them believe that what it is is a good idea, you know? But I think Mm -hmm. you can do the same thing with your work in general of look what I'm building, look Mm -hmm. what I have. And you have to showcase it in, in good ways. The best way is to just keep complimenting the people around you and say, and I'd like, uh, our, one of our guys who ran a really big factory and a really big business for us, but uh, $2 billion. It was our 100th anniversary, or they did 100 million compressors. How about that? That's what they had. <laughs> and they had cake and did all this stuff. So I took the, they sent me a picture. I took the picture and sent it to the CEO, copied him, the guy who's in the picture. And I said, look what a fabulous thing they're doing today there. You know what? I, I, you know, build your posse. It's building my ecosystem of friends and of people of influence. And I helped him with influence, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So spread it around. Always. And yeah. you don't need to be in advertising to do that. You just need to consider how you go, well, that's nice. You yeah. want someone to say, well, that was a nice thing to do. Well, it's a good point because especially in corporate America, you never know whether someone's going to be your boss someday or uh, that you'll versa or vice versa. And so making sure that you're not only just focusing up, but sideways and even down sometimes is, Uh, Oh, you need, you need these people. Mm -hmm. People tend to ignore their peers more than anybody, maybe because they feel competitive or something, man, that's a great place to get support, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you are a posse and you got as a group, you can make things happen. So, yeah. 
Fantastic. Now, another area that I know that you're really passionate about is getting stretch assignments for getting to the next level. And when I say stretch assignments, it's not necessarily a promotion in itself. It's more an opportunity to stretch yourself, to learn something new. And yet, and you're not, it, it showcases itself best that it's not a promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll use um, the example of it, it can be something that someone goes, God, we've got this big thing. We got no one to do it. Your plate's already full and you go, I'll take, you know what? I'd mm-hmm. love to do that, you know? And I'll work another with, example of helping your posse. Right. No, you are. You take something else and you're not loading it on them. But um, or it's something you invent, which I think is sometimes even better. Mm-hmm. And I'd use example coming here of, you know, they thought I had a blank desk and no budget. No one had ever been the chief marketing officer before. I mean, I was like, now what am I going to do? So I kind of just consulted. I went to all the businesses and helped them do their stuff and made things prettier and worked that. And then all of a sudden that day comes and I go, okay, I'm going to have to deal with the branding and this, and this architecture and it's global and it's a mess. And I went to my ad agency. I went to our PR agency. None of them could do it kind of thing. I had to go out and actually find uh, first I did a little research with the senior management to prove we needed it. And then I went and asked for a million dollars to go really work on it and stuff, which I received, but that was a huge stretch assignment and it was a year and it became 50% of my job, maybe 60% of it. So you identified a problem and then you created the solution for it. Yeah. And that is, I tell you that when I see people do that, even in my own group and anything, it's when you go, even if you don't say it, you feel happy that person did that and very respectful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the stretch assignments, especially when you're thinking about, you know, getting more women in leadership, that's something that's really important to consider, especially for leaders of the organization, mm-hmm. so that you're not always going to the same people for those kinds of projects. That's how you meet people, quite literally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so then, you know, you're you're spreading the love of opportunity around. So it's important to. You know, stretch assignments are an important tool in the leadership development process. Yeah, and I would tell you, um, and I use people like Hillary Sale that used to be at WashU, that she thought was the number one way to get noticed and get credit. And you don't have to brag about it, actually. It is because you're doing something. It shows mm-hmm. up incredibly well. But I, I'm going to go back to what you said earlier. Just working harder isn't enough. And staying in your office is a terrible idea. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the things women drop out of STEM all the time, right, about eighth grade um, and high school, even in college, um, even if they like it, because they want A's. Women want to do very well at things. And it is the number one reason they drop out, because it's hard. Engineering is hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I can tell yeah. you in here, they all said Harvard MBA, piece of cake compared yeah getting their engineering degree. That's what my my husband is a, a chemistry major undergraduate oh, and has his JD MBA. And he was like, oh my gosh, I would do law school and an MBA 10 times over before I do oh, my BA in no, chemistry. These guys, it's a lift. It's heavy. And, um, and it's a lot of women drop out just because, you know what, I can get an A in English all day long. I can get an A in these other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that perfection thing, You, I, I tell you what, a B plus on things gets you a long way on something big and juicy. You could get your little A plus down at the other end of the table doing something unimportant to the you know to the board mm. or to your boss, and 
Um, I'm actually reading a book, 4,000 Weeks. Have you read this? Mm -mm. It's how long you're going to live. That gets you to 80. It's 4,000 weeks and how you use your time. It's really fascinating. And I would say it is one of those things they say people tend to work on the do the less important things when you really should be dedicating yourself, even if they're personal. I don't care if it's losing weight or um, being able to run a triathlon that's really important to you. And you tend to diddle around. Like if I have to do my budget, I suddenly start reorganizing my office and I know I'm doing it. I know, I completely know it. And I'm like, stop doing that. You need to sit down and, and concentrate, really pour yourself into something important. So good use of time. That's really good advice. And sounds like a really good book to read. It's kind of weird. It's a weird book. I was, one of my friends was reading it and I go, it, it makes you think it's, it's, it's uh, the subhead is time management for mortals. Hmm. And you have to be aware of the fact you're going to die. That's one of the things they want to make a point about in it. Yeah. Because if you think you're going to live forever, then just they can't you always that. have no. more time. I, and they so, say so. You, you diddle too much yeah. then. Manana. So, I, so I'm, I'll push my book. It's a weird book. You can read it really fast. I almost finished it on the, um, while the tornado warning was going on the airplane yesterday. So, oh God. <laughs> um, uh, Wow. There's so many, so many good things here. I especially love focusing, find out what's the important stuff to do, be willing to fail. I mean, the failures are where you learn, you know, and, and build that resilience. And yeah. And you should be able to dive over that so that everyone, I mean, literally everyone forgets it. I think we all think it's the end of the world when something's Mm -hmm. bad. We, we had a round of our logos that actually, and I was still one year in when I was working on the logo development and stuff. And we sort of went in the wrong direction first. And I had presented some of the senior guys and I, I became aware that it was not right. I, that is a big piece of advice I would tell everyone. You know, you know, what's the best thing? Call it on yourself. You know what? Don't let someone else say, you know, you know what? I want to go back on this. I know it's going to take an extra three months. Let's do this correctly. And then it's self-deprecating. It's the opposite of being boastful. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you get but that vulnerability is important. And is, we all have heard from the Brene Brown uh, craze about how important that is in leadership as well. It is. And I think it's funny. It's one of the I think it's easier as you get older, personally. Mm, yeah, maybe I would agree. We, we have practice making mistakes, maybe. But but, you know, I look back on that. I don't think there's a person in this building that will remember that that even happened. I do. It's right here. I recovered, but it's I have PTSD. But I was going to say, it, it, it is a great thing to call yourself when, when you know you can do it better. Great advice. Okay. The last thing, uh, there's so much that, we, uh, that we've covered today that I just absolutely love. But as a marketing expert, personal branding is going to be right yeah. up there you know, with your area of expertise. So what are your thoughts on best practices for personal branding for your career? Actually... I, I kind of think it's easy. I'd say one thing, and I'm an extrovert, so it's easier for me to probably lay out my personal branding. If anything, I need to pull mine in because I can be a little too gregarious um, and, and I'm a little bit funny. So I have to be careful in meetings because the entire time I'm thinking of funny things to say which women don't do very much. Yeah, humor is a huge tool. There's a, another great book, uh, Humor Seriously. That is, oh, I'll read um, that. But yeah. you have a good sense mm-hmm. of humor. Oh, well, when I would say most of my best women friends do, you know, and that's why we're friends. 
But being a woman with a sense of humor, I don't want to call it a weapon, but it is certainly a great characteristic to have Mm -hmm. and know when to use it, whether you're light in the moment or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think people are so surprised. Um, But I'd say make yourself interesting. It's the number one thing, personal branding, whether it's your personal life or your business life, actually. Um, And do things like, like I love to fish. Um, and really? go fishing. I love to fish. You oh. can't even imagine how much. I actually worked for OMC on Johnson and Evan Outboard Motors and fished in a bass fishing contest and, and got third place. Oh my I gosh. Did. It is the biggest trophy I have. I played as an with, extrovert uh, with yeah. as much energy as you have. I just can't even no, imagine it. The problem is I'm such an optimist. Every time I put a line in the water, I think I'm going to catch a fish. So it's, it's my optimism runs way in front of my reality, but I'd say everything from fishing to running, to reading, to, um, I love to play blackjack, you know, in those, in that range of things, I played sports in college. I played four sports in high school. I worked for two sporting goods companies and I've, I've lived and moved all over the world and worked all over the world. Somewhere I'm going to find a connection with my peers, with my boss. Um, I went to a job interview at Wilson's Sporting Goods. As I said, I had one shot and I'm finally talking to the head guy of marketing. Such a great coincidence. He's a Where'd you go? I said, I was in California um, last weekend. And I said, it was incredible. They had an earthquake. I was there for a big earthquake. And he goes, so was I. And I'm going, yes. What are the chances we were both in the same earthquake? And these are Midwesterners going, oh my God, in California, we think we're going to (laughs) die. It was such a great touch point. But the more things you do to make yourself interesting, A, you'll interest yourself. My mother, I said, you have no excuse. Never use the word boring or bored. She, yeah. That was mm-hmm. illegal in my mother's house. Ooh. So you, which is good parenting tip too. Good parenting tip. And it's big in your, your 4,000 weeks. You should not waste a moment being bored. That is bad use of time. You know, you're not being creative enough, but make yourself interesting. And, and you keep, you read things you wouldn't normally read diversification of friends. I think you and I do a particularly good job <laughs> of that. Um, and diversification of the people you hang with at work. Because you really, whether the lawyers or the, um, I don't care, the the nurse, you know, I got my COVID shot. I was on the front page of the paper with Ashley, our nurse. And I was like, of all the funny things for me to get famous for in St. Louis was me getting my COVID shot. So it was really funny, but be interesting. And you're in charge of that. Other people don't make you interesting. You do. Well, and that goes straight to the heart of, um, of that corporate visibility. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to be good at your job. That's the stuff that your head's down on. But then having that corporate visibility is what's going to really get you to the next level. And when you have things that you can connect with people as a human being, in addition to the work it makes stuff, it so then, much easier. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and still hopefully in an authentic way. Right. No, it's so right. You're not having to be don't someone pretend. you're not. Don't pretend that you like fishing if you don't, because you may end up in a boat with your boss someday and it'll be obvious where you sit on this thing. What's really <laughs> funny is I get very, very seasick. I have to bulletproof myself. I put on a patch. I take Dramamine and I, I love to go deep sea fishing. It's really fun. So. Wow. Good. Okay. I cannot wait to re-listen to this and write down every single <laughs> thing. I feel like there's 10 
20 awesome career tips. I can just, I, I hope know. one of them is helpful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've given us a lot of great actionable Thank things. Thank you. Kathy, you're awesome. Thank you, you for taking the time much. to do this. Oh, anytime, anytime. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Take Control of Your Career with Lauren Herring. Be sure to check the show notes for our guests' information. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show so that you don't miss an episode. Want to get control of your career now? Visit www.earnyourworthcareers.com. You can get your own career coach or download a free ebook on best practices to ask for a raise.